You are listening to Good Monkey, a sermon series by Pastor Bay Allen. I encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles or an applicable app on your smartphones to Psalm 119, verse 37, in which we read, Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So again, we're starting a new series called Good Monkey. And for all of you animal rights activists out there, I know you're out there, no monkeys were harmed during the preparation for this series. Okay? Um, I hope you know that there was no inhumane treatment, no scientific experimentation, no removing monkeys from their natural habitat for laboratory captivity. None of that took place during the preparation for this series. In fact, I hate to disappoint you, but this series isn't all that much about monkeys. I mean, we have sock monkeys, but it's, it's about us. It's about us. And don't get me wrong, I'm not in any way saying that we as humans are very much like monkeys. I'm not calling you a monkey. We're not so much like monkeys as it is just during the preparation there were no monkeys harmed. There were none that were encaged in scientific laboratories for these crazy experiments that we would never try on ourselves. Though we're not like monkeys, for some of us, these kind of symptoms hit home, don't they? For some of us, we have all felt like prisoners in a cage. For some of us, we have felt that we are on some crazy cosmic experiment that is taking place. For some of us, we felt that there's this brave, beautiful, glorious world out there if only we could escape from this laboratory cage. Right? So while you're not very much like a monkey... Sometimes, if we're honest, we can begin to feel like one. Let me, let me tell you a parable. I love parables. Jesus spoke in parables all the time. There once was a young monkey who lived high up in a tree in a great forest. He lived in the tallest tree. And in this great forest, he had bananas to eat. He had a fresh pool that he could drink from and that would soothe him when the summer sun was beating down upon him. He had comfort up in the tree. He had shade. He had a place to rest his head. And one day, this monkey sat there. From his tree, he could see all of the great forest and even into the village beyond. And one day, he saw this clamor, this activity taking place in the village down beyond. And as he looked, he saw these giant tents being erected at the village. A circus had come to town. And from the forest, he could see the tall giraffe. He could see the the strong elephant see lions and tigers and bears oh my but from that great distance he couldn't tell whether or not there were any monkeys so our monkey decided to climb down from his tree in the great forest and go on a journey to the village so he trekked and he went he walked all day and finally he gets there um, just as they're finishing setting up the circus and he approaches the ringleader and he says excuse me I hate to interrupt you I know you're a busy man But from my tree in the forest, I'm from the forest, I could see giraffes, I could see elephants, I could see lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. But I couldn't see if you had any monkeys. Tell me, are there any monkeys in your circus? Well, the ringleader just smiled at our little friend and and he said, Come, come, I'll show you, I'll show you. So they start to walk. And as they walk into the circus, there's the giant, majestic giraffe. And as they stand there at its feet, it kind of huffs a little bit. 
And the monkey says, what a wonderful animal. The giraffe doesn't need a tall tree to be able to see great distances. What a blessed animal. And then they walk a little further into the circus and they come to the elephant and the elephant trumpets with its trunk and, and the monkeys, oh, what a powerful animal. Oh, the elephant. I love the elephant. And then the ringleader leads their monkey a little bit further into the deeper tents and there's cages there with lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, there you go. And they all roar out at the same time. They roar. The monkey says, what powerful, majestic creatures. But excuse me, I saw the giraffe, the elephant, the lions, tigers, and bears from my tree. But are there any monkeys? I want to know if you have monkeys at this circus. The ringleader walks with the monkey. and They stop in front of a cage and the ringleader opens the door. And he says, see up there? That branch? That's where he likes to sit. Going in, going in. He's up there. Climb the tree and go see if you can find the monkey. So the monkey climbs in to the cage and he climbs up the tree and he sits on the branch and he's calling out to the circus monkey. And he says, circus monkey, circus monkey. And the ringleader closes the door and locks the cage. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. This world shows us things. It shows us beautiful things, doesn't it? Billboards on the side of the road, advertisements on the internet, television commercials. You need the next best thing since the last best thing. Order now. Our scripture, this simple scripture from the Psalms, reminds us, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful what you look at, Right? I remember when I was standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon in Flagstaff, Arizona. It's beautiful. Uh, any of you ever been to the Grand Canyon? Some hands are going up. Grand Canyon's beautiful. They have these little fences going around the perimeter. I can tell you a story. My brother climbed over those fences. I was so scared. Um, and the reason I was scared is because the Grand Canyon, if you've never been there, it, it draws you in. It draws you in. It's almost like vertigo. Niagara Falls, it, it draws you in, right? It's so huge. Now, now, there are certain things in this world that draw you in. They have the power to draw you in. And sometimes, as soon as you realize it for yourself that you are being drawn in, it's too late. It's too late. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Thank you for leading us in that. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That's the Apostle Paul talking about the eyes of our hearts. We have a hard enough time with the eyes in our heads, don't we? What do you look at on a daily basis that you shouldn't? It's all around us and it's not always bad. It doesn't always start out that way. Perhaps you're uh, looking at exercise magazines. Maybe you're figuring out how to get ripped and pumped. And that can be a good thing, but it can also draw you in. It can draw you in. It's easy to get obsessed. It's easy to make that your life. There's no longer exercise there. That's now worship, right? 
God, if God isn't in your obsession, what is getting your worship? What is receiving your worship? If it's not God, where is your worship? What draws you in? I'm guilty of this. I am not pecking, picking on the speck in my neighbor's eye without addressing the plank in my own. You know, I, I'm like, ooh, that's a glorious pizza. You know what I mean? I battle this as well. And the ringleader closes the door. Right? This is real. We have a hard time using the eyes in our heads. And Paul is praying that the eyes of our hearts might be enlightened. So that we may what? So that we may know the hope. What is our hope? Did you even know that you had a hope? Did you know? (laughs) The hope Paul is pointing to here in this glorious inheritance in God's holy people. That's our hope. You have this hope. You have a glorious inheritance. Did you know that? You have a treasure right here in the church amidst God's people. Jesus, right after teaching how to pray through the Lord's Prayer, uh, further on in Matthew 6.21, we see these words, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Right? So going back to the Apostle Paul, open the eyes of your heart. Look at what you have, the hope you already possess. You know, in the forest there is food. In the forest there is water, there is shelter, there is comfort, there is beauty. Everything you need already there. This is the church, okay? Everything you need is available to you in the church. And how can I say this? It's not out of conceit, saying we're the best church on the block. No, I say this because this is God's church and the scriptures tell us wherever two or three gather together as my followers, there I am among them. So how can we say everything we need is in the church? It's not because of the church. It's because God is here. God is here. Be careful little eyes what you see. I'm not saying that you're weak. That's not what I'm saying. Don't hear that. I'm saying that weak... Strong, Schwarzenegger strong. There are things in this world with the power to draw you in and close the door behind you. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Why go looking for what you already have? The monkey was looking for a monkey in the circus. He was a monkey. Why go looking for what you already have? And in psychoanalytics, this is the superego. You know, you have a checklist. If you do this, 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 you'll be happy. You do this, this, this. In, in theology, that's the serpent. You know, superego, serpent. You know, if you do this and do this and do this, then you will be like God. The serpent in the garden says that. If you eat of that tree, you're going to be like God. Searching for what you already have. At, at the beginning, God created them in his image, male and female. They were made in his likeness. If you eat of that, you'll be like God. They're already like God. They have that likeness. We lie to ourselves. If you only do this, if you do this, you'll be more like God. And we do this because we are not turning our eyes away from worthless things. We are not turning our eyes away from worthless things. This is why we are here to worship. This is why. Why go looking for what you already have? (laughs) The monkey was looking for a monkey in the circus. He found one. Why go looking for what you already have? We do this because we're not turning our eyes away from worthless things. Many of us, we've lost sense of what this word means. Worth. We just sang of it. 
You alone are worthy. You alone are lovely. But then the circus comes to town and it changes everything. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. This should be our prayer. This needs to be our prayer. Every day. This isn't a typo. There's not an L missing on that last word. It doesn't say give me life through your world. The world will draw you in. It will draw you away from the life that you were meant to live. The world is good at dangling apples, right? Drawing you in with beautiful things. It's why the porn industry is so huge. It attacks the eyes. Sex sells, so they just throw it at you day after day. It's a huge problem in our society. It's attacking good people. Good people that we know. Good people from good families. It's breaking strong families every day. And it's not changing. This is the world that our kids are growing up in. This drawing in. It's why America is so unhealthy. Larger than life pictures of food everywhere you go. You want to supersize that with the Diet Coke? Yes. That's me. And it's hard. If we're honest, we all have our struggles to lay upon the altar, right? If we're honest about it. Now, it's one thing to know your struggles, to know your weakness. It's another thing to entirely seek it out. Don't seek it out. Our eyes are not designed for worthless things. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. And don't get depressed about this. It's easy to get depressed. Remember, there's hope. We have this hope. The Apostle Paul told us as much. I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. The church. Now part of our purpose, and I hope that we live into this together day in, day out, not just Sunday mornings. Part of our purpose is to bring hope. Part of our purpose is to be hope in this world. Too long, people have looked at the church as this judgmental place, a place where you have to look a certain way, talk a certain way, keep your tattoos covered, a place where to belong, you have to look like everybody else. Too long, that's been the view of the church. Let me tell you something. In the church, you should look like everyone else. You should look broken. You should look broken. This is our hope. We are not alone here. Last I counted, one, two, three, I can stop. God is here. God is here. Where two or three are gathered, God is here. This is our hope. And our hope exists in our midst because out of our brokenness, we are gathered here together. God is here. Our hope exists in our midst because we are gathered here at this table. At this table. Not at the table of purgatory, but at the table of the Lord. This is God's table. And where two or more are gathered, guess who you find at God's table? God. God's children are found at God's table. And you want to know what's so, what is so beautiful about the children of God is that we get to experience God time. <laughs> you know, my wife says this sometimes. She's like, oh, he just needs some dad time. He just needs some mama time. 
When we come to the table, we get to experience God time. God time is something we need to experience. That's why this table is so important. Um, you know, John Wesley, he would have us do communion every single time we meet. And in our church, we celebrate this on the, the first Sunday of the month. There are churches that do it every single week, right? Now around this table, we are gathered and God is here in our midst. So are those who have gone before us. Do you believe that? This is what we call the communion of the saints, right? The communion of the saints, they are here with us. Our parents, our grandparents. We share this table with our fondest memories of our fondest people. We also share this table with the brokenness in our world. Past brokenness of Christians. Present brokenness of Christians. Those that are still in cages... Christian missionaries, those who are in prison cells for Christ, those who are in prison cells across America from even before they came to know Christ. And I, and I bring this up because I just saw an article last week recently down in Arkansas there were prisoners in cages. Those who were drawn in and then the door was closed behind them and it was too late. They literally fell into the Grand Canyon. In the ways of this world, it was too late. But the grace of God does not work upon the same laws of this world. I am thankful of that. What a blessing it is for a church. These people were on death row, and there was a man named Liddell Lee who, you know, it's customary. They have a last meal. His last meal was April 20th. And it is customary that inmates, before their final meal, they get to request what that will be. Liddell asked for Holy Communion as his final meal. What a blessing for us, the church. What a reminder. The word reminder. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Christ crucified shortly thereafter. Jesus on the cross said, today you will be with me in paradise to the criminal who hung beside him. When we come to this table, we share this table with all Christians in all places in all times. And this may be beyond our understanding, but this is a mystery. This is God time. This is God time. We call this communion with the saints within the church. Sometimes we forget that in with these saints, there is the communion of the broken. Communion with criminals. Communion with all sinners reconciled into the family of God. Because this isn't our table. This is God's table. Thank God for that. All of God's family is welcome at God's table. When Liddell came to God's table in Arkansas for that final requested meal on April 20th, he wasn't alone. God was there. <laughs> and as the children of God who come to this table in a strange and mysterious way, through the communion of the saints, we were there. There are many around this table. This is part of the mystery of Eucharist. We're in God time. This glass that I just, I just kind of pulled out over there, I purchased this recently, and I wanted to share it with you uh, because I found meaning in it. Uh, up there, you see, that's a picture from the, the antique store where I actually purchased this. Anyone recognize what that is? Anyone? Can anyone tell just from the makes, make of it? It is not Fenton. Fenton's down in West Virginia. Very fine, very fine glass makers, Fenton were. But this is different. This is from right down the road from the 1920s. 
H.C. Fry Glass Company made this back in the 1920s. This is depression glass. This embodies depression. Okay. That's our history here from the Beaver Valley. This other one, you know, you recognize this. You may have never really seen the symbolism in it, but our, our normal chalice here, um, which we often use, this, this depicts the feeding of the 5,000. Okay, there's bread and fishes on here. So, so this is a very much a cup of joy, of feasting, of celebration, right? Of provision. So we have two cups here at this table. I want you to know God's in the midst of both extremes. God's in the midst of both extremes. All are welcome at this table because this is God's table. So all who are seeking a fresh outpouring of a transformative encounter with God's grace are welcome at this table. It's not our grace to give. It is from God. Now I want to let you know much of this type of uh, depression glass is radioactive. Oh, danger, Will Robinson. By that I mean they fused uh, uranium into the glass itself so that under a black light it, it kind of glows. It's called Vaseline glass. And you can actually put a Geiger counter on it. There's some danger involved in the brokenness and the depression that we bring to God's table. I tested this one. It's free. But may it remind you that this... Even, even whether it is free or whether it is just full of that radioactive energy still in it, this is a dangerous thing to bring our brokenness together to the table of the Lord. And I say it's dangerous because you'll never be the same. There's a certain element of unsettling and bringing your brokenness forward before God. So if you take a sip from this or if you take a dip, we, we, we go through intention here. If you dip into this cup, into the cup of uh, depression <laughs> glass. Remember that. There's brokenness in coming forward to God's table. It is good for us to come to God's table in joy and in brokenness. Amen? But in joy and brokenness, wherever you are this moment, right now, close your eyes and just take a moment in silent prayer as we prepare to come to, to God's table. Just take a moment. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to God, our Creator. God breathed the breath of life at creation. God blessed humankind before any of our accomplishments, any of our shortcomings. God made a way for preservation even when the profanity of our existence warranted destruction, even when we chose captivity over the forest. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. I too, as your pastor, need to hear these words. Could you say this to me? Could you offer this to me, please? Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. God is a God of grace, of new life, a God of forgiveness, offering paradise to criminals. 
As forgiven and reconciled people, let us offer ourselves and our gifts to God. I'm going to ask that the ushers come forward at this time as we receive our offering and worship as an act of worship. The Bible instructs us to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, pure and holy unto the Lord. So at this time, I invite you to turn your heart towards God as even now the Holy Spirit is guiding you in becoming that living sacrifice, pure and holy, pleasing unto the Lord. Let's offer our best to God. Would you pray with me? Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and on the fruit of the vine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Amen. I love the fact that there is just one loaf, though our backgrounds and our traditions are different and our uh, parts of speech and the type of glass that we use is sometimes different. There's one loaf to remind us that because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. And also, you know, there is, there is one cup. And some of you are lifting your eyebrow, right? Because I have two cups. No, there is one cup. There is one cup. They may look different at times, depression or joy, but this cup... This is the cup of Christ's new covenant. Whatever the chalice looks like, what's in it? The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. And so... We come to the table. On the night when Jesus was to give himself up for the salvation of the world, for the reconciliation, he was at meal with his closest friends, with his disciples. And Jesus, he, he, he took the loaf. He gave thanks to God in heaven, and he broke the loaf. He turned to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is is my body given for you. Then after they had eaten in a similar way, Christ took the cup. He gave thanks to God in heaven. And he turned to his disciples and said, this is my cup, the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink, do so in remembrance of me. So Jesus invited us to the table. He invited his disciples to the table. We are invited to the table today. This is the same table of the Lord. This is God time. We are in communion with the saints. We are in communion with Jesus. I'm going to ask that the communion stewards come forward at this time. Whichever cup you choose, the sacrifice remains the same. Won't you come? The table is prepared. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. May God open the eyes of your heart, enlighten the eyes of your heart to see the hope that you have. There is hope. And as the church, we get to help one another. 
We get to live into that hope together. We get to shout, don't go into that circus tent. It's a trap. There are things in this world that will draw you in, no matter how strong you are. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look upon things that are good. Things that are of worth. So may God give you the eyes to see the blessings that you already have. And when you leave these doors, may you more enter into the world to be a blessing to others, to allow your cup to overflow into their lives in significant ways so that they may experience God in the midst of the brokenness. Go with grace, go with peace, go with love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.